Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 739. You don't understand, I said, growing irritated. I don't have the slightest idea what the Lathani really is. It's not a path, but it helps choose a path. It's the simplest way, but it is not easy to see. Honestly, you people sound like drunk cartographers. I regretted saying it as soon as it was out of my mouth, but Vachette merely laughed. There are many drunks who are quite conversant with the Lathani, she said. Several legend legendarily slow. Seeing I was still agitated, she made a motion to calm me. I don't understand the Lathani either. Not in a way that can be explained to another. The teaching of the Lathani is an art I do not possess. If Tempe has managed to instill the Lathani in you, it is a great mark of his favor. Bachette leaned forward seriously. Part of the problem is with your language, she said. A Turin is very explicit. It is very precise and direct. Our language is rich with implication, so it is easier for us to accept the existence of things that cannot be explained. The Lathani is the greatest of these. Can you give me an example of one other than the Lathani? I asked, and please don't say blue, or I might go absolutely mad right here on this bench. She thought for a moment. Love is such a thing. You have knowledge of what it is, but it defies careful explication. Love is a subtle concept, I admitted. It's elusive, like justice, but it can be defined. Her eyes sparked. Do so then, my clever student. Tell me of love. I thought for a quick moment... Then, for a long moment, Bachette grinned. You see how easy it will be for me to pick holes in any definition you give. Love is the willingness to do anything for someone, I said, even at detriment to yourself. In that case, she said, how is love different from duty or loyalty? It is also combined with a physical attention. I said. Even a mother's love? Vashat asked. Combined with an extreme fondness, then. I amended. And what exactly do you mean by fondness? She asked, with a maddening calm. It is, I trailed off, racking my brain to think how I could describe love without resorting to other equally abstract terms. This is the nature of love, Vashat said. To attempt to describe it will drive a woman mad. That is what keeps poets scribbling endlessly away. If one could pin it to the paper, all complete, the others would lay down their pens, but it cannot be done. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Bashit likes poets, eh? I, I mean, I think that probably Vashet has experience with poets 
more than potentially other creators of like language-based art just because she traveled with one. So I don't know that it's mm-hmm. necessarily that she likes poets. It's that she has experience with them. She likes that poet. And yeah. that poet taught her to appreciate poetry. Yeah. And I mean, more than most Adem, right? I don't think... Actually, then again, we don't really know what they feel about poetry. We don't know about, how they feel about music, but maybe they do have... have mm-hmm. uh... And speaking of poetics, she's doing kind of a Socratic method here, isn't she? Yes, she is. De- describe to me a man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I realize I mis- I misread part of this page. Um, I said, it is also combined with a physical attention, but the actual word is attraction. And when I read it with the word attention, it made perfect sense. Bashet's hmm. next thing wouldn't have been, wouldn't actually have been poking a hole in it if it had been the word attention. Because if you said even with a mother's love. Yeah, a mother's love would includes still physical sense. attention. Yeah, yeah, it still makes sense. So, never, never fear, Jordana. We all make uh, little slip ups here and there. I, right, because I said the word attention instead of attraction, and since Vachette's next thing wouldn't have poked a hole in that, theoretically, I I think I accidentally made Klaus' argument better. <laughs> I, I mean, you changed the meaning of it, right? But it still it still backs up his argument, which is that you can explain love. Well, you've you've hit on something that's a, a subject on the page is that language is an important part of how we process the thinking. A Turin is a very precise and direct language uh, where words mean very specific things. And, you know, a little slip up can change the meaning of what you're saying. But it seems like uh, Bashit says our language is rich with implication. So it's easier for us to accept the existence of things that cannot be explained. It's far more of a flexible. Uh, I'm using the term implication to describe implication, but it's it's like, I, I think that perhaps that kind of. um mistake wouldn't happen in in um in edemic and there is a phenomenon in the real world that i can only partially articulate which is this idea that the language you grow up speaking affects the way you think the way your brain is wired and the way that you approach problem solving and so different people who have grown up with different languages are their their brains are wired in certain ways and people who speak multiple, who grew up speaking multiple languages, even more so. Yes, yes. And so I think that this is a bit of nice world building on Rothfuss's part, wherein the language kind of serves and amplifies the philosophical nature of this culture. Now, uh, I'm just a simple country podcaster, but I seem to recall approximately a year ago when Quoth was uh, still at the university by our reckoning uh, his teacher Elodin used the the idea of trying to explain to somebody else what love is uh, as a way to point out uh, how you should be approaching the the concept of naming how interesting that uh, here halfway around the world and uh, many months later Quoth is confronted with the same uh a similar problem and given a similar explanation, almost like love is a thematically relevant part of this book. That's interesting. We know that Elodin, now now I'm speculating wildly, a thing I never do, but we know that Elodin speaks the language and, and traveled there. Do you think perhaps he learned from the path of joy? Maybe that's certainly possible at the very, I think the connection that I'm more interested in drawing is that learning the Lathani is like learning naming. It's like learning magic, right? It's a, it's an idea that you can't 
you can't articulate in concrete terms, but that doesn't mean that it's not real. And that doesn't mean that you can't learn it. Yeah. I think that's explicit in the text. And I think that mm-hmm. the spinning leaf being close to the naming state and being something that he is able to access and hone and, you know, ultimately naming is what lets him pass the test at the very end. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely true and all but explicit in the text. And they're all kind of different facets of the same diamond and quoth, uh, as Nick is always pointing out, is so resistant to this idea. He's so resistant to the idea that like you can't just explain something concretely. Even though it's already been demonstrated to him before, I am pretty sure that like you can't really describe love, can you? <laughs> and you know what? I think this like speaks to Quoth's um, distaste for poets. Like if Quoth was had more of a poet's brain, he'd probably be more mm-hmm. open to this, right? But like it's a very it's on this very page here. The nature of loves to attempt to describe it will drive a woman mad. Interesting that she uses woman and not man. It's because they are a, yeah. a female centric culture. Uh, but this is what keeps poets scribbling endlessly away. If one could pin it to paper and all complete, the others would lay down their pens. Like <laughs> Quoth, this this is why structurally it, Quoth is resistant and and scornful of poetry because he doesn't have the brain for this kind of like abstract uh, thinking about poet- things that don't have concrete answers. Yeah, poetry relies on like ambiguity and interpretation. And if it weren't for the fact that he's a musician, Quoth would be a stem lord. Oh yeah, right? big time. He basically he is a stem such, lord, except he also because he has yeah. such <laughs> such a Wait, logical brain. What's a what's a stem lord? Uh, so STEM refers to uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you go into one of the STEM professions at university, uh, where you're taking a lot of math and science, you're probably going to go into like a high paying job in tech or consulting or something like that. Uh, they, they have STEM lords have an a reputation, uh, unfairly or not, depends on who you ask for like disregarding the liberal arts and humanities as like a they're not going to make you any money and b they're not teaching you anything useful because the things they have to teach are not concrete binary yes or no right or wrong kind of things right like if you if you get a bad grade on a math test it's because you like got the wrong answers right two and plus two and two I mean, added you could up have gotten the right answer and just not showed your work Okay, for the sake of my argument that I'm making right now, <laughs> the way those disciplines work is that there is a right and wrong answer. You can't get a wrong answer when you're writing an essay for an English class. There's no wrong answer. There's how convincingly did you make your argument? Yes, and right? the the reason that this is, you know, considered a negative thing and the reason that the scorn of humanities is something in in STEM is something that needs to be looked at is that when these people end up in positions of power, they often will create or design things without any regard for the more subtle, uh, complicated implications of what they're doing. A great example of this is Uber, which uh, eviscerated many, many industries and created a service that was objectively worse for everybody involved than the industry that it destroyed. But you can't uh, unshoot that arrow. There's a lot of examples of this. See, I don't think Uber's a good example because I think they did that on purpose. But look at uh, Sam Bankman Freud, the 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 crypto uh, billionaire who just lost a shitload of money. Uh, he was everyone thought, oh, this guy is so smart. He's like he and he's making all this money. And then you look at a blog post he wrote from ten years ago, and he's like, man, Romeo and Juliet sucks. It's so unrealistic that these two kids would fall in love, demonstrating a complete inability to like interpret a text or see the value in it. Uh, because it does not compute in his mathematics brain. 
it's all about being unable to see the human cost of what you're doing, which I think uh, FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried is a really good example of because there was great human cost to what he did and he really did seem to uh, not care or not know. So yeah, that's that's a STEM lord. He's a great example of a STEM lord. Mm-hmm. You'll encounter them everywhere. They're the kinds of people who think that, but you know, they will say to you, well, they'll say to you like, oh, you have an arts degree. Good luck working at Starbucks for the rest of your life. Uh, not not seeming to know or care that like, well, don't you want to have art in your life? Do you think it's valuable to have art in your life? Also, uh, who's going to make you coffee? Is it not valuable <laughs> to have someone who's there to make coffee for people who want coffee? Is that not something that is valued by society? Why should that be relegated to people who, you know, why should that be something that is worthy of scorn? Anyway, clearly Nick and I, who both have uh, undergraduate degrees in the liberal arts, have a lot of strong feelings about STEM lords. Uh... Um, this was a much longer answer than I anticipated. I really didn't mean to cause a tangent. If you remove your brainstem from your body and plug it into a computer to live forever uh, in the metaverse, you are also a STEM lord. Uh-huh. <sighs> okay, so uh, I apologize for... Uh, derailing our entire episode. Well, here, hold I on. Think... I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. The reason that Nick and I are saying that Quoth is a stem lord is because he pr- approaches problems from a very analytical facts and logic kind of viewpoint, right? He's always like, how does this thing work? How can I understand it? You know, what, what yeah, is there the is system? There is an answer. I can get the best yeah, grade what is the on system? this. Yeah. yeah, he's a Lisa Simpson, right? And so many of his teachers in like Florian, Elodin, Vashet, you know, Shaheen, they're all in different ways trying to teach him, you know, there are some things that you can't learn that way. They don't make logical sense that way. And the unspoken kind of fourth subject that he is attempting to master and is going about in perhaps a wrongheaded fashion is love, right? He's in love with Denna and he doesn't know what to do about it. And the last time he talked to her, he like, you know, he really screwed things up. And maybe if he had a better understanding of this intangible thing, if his mind could approach it in a less logical way, he would be able to, you know, to communicate with Denna in a more productive manner. Very good. I I had a small revelation uh listening to describe how close is a stem lord and that is like that i i almost never associate myself with both when i like read the book like you know how there's like audience stand-in kind of characters like oh, and a lot of the time that character is the main character like you're meant to kind of feel the way they feel sure i very rarely feel that way about both but in the idea of like being a person who is artistic but also being a person who requires solid answers like I'm like, oh holy shit! <laughs> like, there you go, you found it. I, he just, just like me for me real. For real. <laughs> but I, and I mean to be clear, I I think it would be reductive to say that any one person is just this one thing or just this other thing. Uh, but it is a useful shorthand for describing a certain kind of personality trait that can be annoying. <laughs> And certainly, I would never say that people in the liberal arts can't be annoying. They're just annoying in a different way. Yes. I agree. Uh, Also, quick question. Liberal arts, 
is just like language arts? No, uh, I like it's a pretty broad category. I'd say it includes like the arts, you know, and that by that I mean like visual art, dance, poetry, writing. Okay, well, well, then we're all liberal arts here. Yeah, Um, but it also includes. Yeah, so maybe we are a little we bit. Are, uh, oh, I, I cop to that freely. Um, but the liberal arts also includes like philosophy, uh, history, anthropology. Uh, Got it. Anything, anything that's like the study of like human society or like any aspect of human society is, I would call like a, in the humanities, right? Which is another way of saying the liberal arts. Got it. All right, this has been a long episode. Let's let's close her up. Yeah. Clunk. That was me closing her up.